Hey, uh, my name is Bradley Starr, uh, and I was roommates with Harrison um, at Tufts University uh, a number of years ago. Uh, and I'm here to talk about why uh, the animated Star Wars series are so awesome. Uh, specifically, talking about Star Wars Clone Wars um, and Star Wars Rebels, um, both of which are on Disney+. Plus. I better get some Disney Plus dollars out of this. Uh, <laughs> so, Bradley, why don't we start by having you describe your relationship with Star Wars? Why are you the expert that I'm having on the show? Uh, I would love nothing more than to talk about my relationship with Star Wars. So, and I guess I would say, you know, when you say expert, like I would caveat that in the grand scheme of the Star Wars fandom, I, I don't think that I'm, you know, like the pre, you know, the foremost expert on the topic. I think there are people who know way, way more than I do, but I would say I'm a, I'm a really big fan. Um, my relationship with Star Wars begins you know, as a, as a small child, um, my dad was a huge Star Wars fan, saw the movies when they came out in the theaters, you know, so growing up, you know, my brothers and I all watched Star Wars with him. Uh, Darth Vader was my favorite character, um, you know, and I remember having the action figures, seeing the prequels, having, you know, like Star Wars books with lots of cool characters in them. Um, you know, when the movies come out, you know, I see them generally on opening day, you know, I wear my Star Wars shirt that has the, you know, stormtroopers wearing 3D glasses sitting in a movie theater. <laughs> um, and, you know, I came to these two series um, last year after the first season of The Mandalorian ended. Um, I was craving more Star Wars content. Um, and I know my younger brother um, had watched Clone Wars when he was little. You know, these are these are animated. They're I think Y seven. So they're you know, um, there were shows that when I was growing up, I was you know, we kind of teased my little brother for watching them. We were like, oh, like this is lame. But then you know, just kind of decided to give them another shot, and uh, I'm really glad that I did. Yeah. I, I so a little about my my experience with Star Wars is I probably am like a good surrogate for our, our listeners because I've seen the live action movies. Um, but I still don't really understand them. <laughs> like I think, like I know that I know that like Luke, I am your father. I get that. I don't really understand the greater universe and all the wars and stuff. Like it took me a while to realize that, and I'm still not positive that the clones are stormtroopers. We can talk about that later. But like those are, the, I don't understand it. And I actually only recently rewatched the old Star Wars, like the ones from the '70s, because it was all for the Rise of Skywalker last year. I wanted to. All right, let me go. And so I binge watched like a marathon of them. And I, you know, I also might be a good audience because I don't love them as much as like some of the bigger fans. Like I think a lot of it didn't hold up as much as I thought it would. Um, but I did watch season one of The Mandalorian and I loved that. I thought that was really cool. Uh, so I think that this will be a good conversation because I'm curious. I've heard multiple people say that the animated Star Wars series are really great. And I also know that the movies begin to draw things from the series. And I'm like, you can't do that. You can't expect us to watch this. But uh, maybe there's a reason to do so. So I think this will be a good conversation hearing you describe your own fandom as sort of the average average viewership, that makes me think that maybe I'm a bigger fan than uh, maybe <laughs> I'm perhaps a little more knowledgeable uh, yeah. than I was giving myself credit for. Yeah, maybe. So I think that for our listeners who don't, um, you know, who might not know what the animated series are about, like I personally didn't even know there were two different series when we first uh, agreed to do this episode. Why don't we start with a brief overview of where these shows fall in the greater Star Wars universe, where they fall in the canon, um, and what are they about? 
Yeah, absolutely. So, and I'll say, and I, there, there may be others as well, but the two I'm going to talk about, so Star Wars Clone Wars, um, that takes place between the second and third movie. Um, so this is at a time where uh, Emperor Palpatine is still known um, as Chancellor Palpatine. He is at this point like the head of the Republic, which is like the governing body in the universe. Um, and this is during a period of the Clone Wars where they're at war like with the Separatists. Um, and the reasons for that war are, uh, I'll be honest, I'm, I, don't, I couldn't necessarily tell you. I don't know how much it matters. Okay, good. Because I watched those movies. I didn't understand what the war was about. <laughs> Yeah, and I'll say that if anyone hears this and goes between episodes two and three, those movies were not very good. Uh, that's true. Although I will say Revenge of the Sith is better than you might remember if you exclude the Anakin uh, Padme stuff. Um, but anyways, Clone Wars covers this period when the Republic is fighting against the Separatists at a time when Anakin has really come into his own um, before he becomes uh, Darth Vader um, and sort of the impact on the galaxy as a whole. And it does sort of chart the eventual rise of um, Palpatine as he sort of manipulates things to go from being the leader of a Republic to the empire ruling the whole uh, galaxy in an Imperial way. Um, in Star Wars Rebels, um, it takes place between C's episodes three and four um, so it is after, um, you know, the Empire has taken over, Anakin is now Darth Vader, the Jedi have basically been wiped out, um, and it tells the story of a new group of characters, so characters who we will not have seen um, in the movies, and who come across from different parts of the galaxy, they are of different species, um, and it's sort of the early stages of the rebellion. And it's so it both charts like the bond and development of these characters um, and also how the rebellion began at a time when the empire was really at its height. So this is before Luke Skywalker um, and uh, even really before, you know, uh, the, the, it, the rebellion was organized in a way that we see it in the original movie um, in both shows. They're short, like 22, episodes, 22 minute episodes. Um, and they're kind of episodic. So the shows will have over the course of a season, there'll be these little mini arcs that uh, are kind of self-contained stories. Some are bottle episodes, but they, they have, um, you know, working towards a broader narrative arc as well. And that's what I've noticed about The Mandalorian is that each episode is episodic, which I like so much more than having to just follow. Like you can watch one episode and be done for the night. Uh, and it also, like, The Mandalorian is very much like a Western. It's like watching an old Western. One thing that I found interesting in terms of canon is I watched the entire first season of The Mandalorian and just started season two recently, and I thought the entire thing was about baby Yoda being Yoda as a baby. So I thought this took place millions of years ago. But the truth is, it's not Yoda as Yoda. It's one of Yoda's species, and it takes place between episodes six and seven. So I went through the entire first season being like, wow, this is great. We're seeing prehistoric Star Wars. No, it takes place after the Empire has fallen. So I, I, I don't know. It's so silly that I went through an entire season without realizing that. Um, so why don't we talk a little bit about the characters in each of these series? Because I know you mentioned that there's a lot of new characters in the Rebels, but there are characters from the movies in the Clone Wars, and do those actors from the movies do their own voices? Like, it sounds like that guy who played Anakin from the movies is the same voice in the series. 
It's a good question. Um, they they do not, for the most part. I, I was looking a little bit on IMDb because there could be an exception out there, but for the most part, they're new voice actors. Um, and, you know, in these two series, I would say that Clone Wars um, is much more of a show that has characters that we're going to be more familiar with. So, um, you know, the main ones being, you know, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Anakin Skywalker, Padme Amidala, uh, Yoda, Mace Windu, General Grievous. Um, and what's great, I would say, about the Clone Wars series is, you know, um, Anakin in the prequels was pretty disappointing. Um, you know, the, the dynamics between him and Padway were, you know, not great. And then oftentimes it was really, it's, you know, having rewatched those prequels recently, trying to test to see if they were as bad as I remembered, um, that stuff's tough. But what's great in Clone Wars is Anakin, uh, in particular, is a really great character. Um, he's in his prime in terms of his abilities, which are formidable. The Jedi basically function as generals um, in the, uh, of the army that is fighting the Separatists. Um, and, you know, you see him struggling also to he, his relationship with Padme is ongoing, but it's kept secret, which, you know, the Jedi do not allow. So he struggles with that. Um, and he also, and this is a new character, um, he has a Padawan named Ahsoka Tano, who is one of the greatest characters, I would say, in all of Star Wars. She is um, passionate. She's intelligent. She is incredibly gifted as a Jedi. She has a really strong sense of justice. And over the course of Clone Wars and into Rebels, you see her develop in a really interesting way. Um, and it also really rounds out Anakin's character to know that he had a Padawan and that in between the second movie and the third movie where he eventually goes to the dark side, um, you can see that he had this really meaningful relationship and someone who viewed him as a mentor. Um, so Ahsoka is a great character. Um, other new characters, um, well, one who's not exactly new, but who we see a very different side of is Darth Maul. Yeah, but he died in episode one. He got cut in half. I, I remember watching the solo live action movie, Darth Maul appears at the end, and everyone in the audience is like, <gasps> and then somebody's like, it's Darth Maul, but he died. Me and my dad were like, what? And then somebody else, so I hear a little eight-year-old be like, oh, it's from Clone Wars. And I was like, what? I didn't, you can't count on me knowing that. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny because you say a little eight-year-old, and now when I watch The Mandalorian with my brother and my girlfriend, I'm that little eight-year-old who is like, oh, Bo-Katan, she's in Rebels, she's awesome. Um, but uh, no, so Darth Maul does get cut in half, but it turns out getting cut in half is not necessarily a death sentence. Um, and he is uh, more or less kept alive because of his burning desire to get revenge on Obi-Wan Kenobi. Um, and he is an incredibly interesting and intelligent character. He's sort of a villain in the style of Thanos, I would say, where he is, uh, you know, completely insane, but convinced that he's not. Um, so he's a great character. He's the stuff with the episodes with him are always really interesting. Um, and then one of the coolest things about Clone Wars and Rebels is that you get to know a lot of the clones and what they do a really good job of is that while they are by definition, genetically identical to each other, um, they're, they're very different. You know, I guess it's the nature over nurture. You're born with identical genes, but then as you live through the world, you know, you change and you see clones who are, you know, very much committed to fighting in this war. They believe in the cause. Uh, you see clones who actually, uh, 
who turn and basically try to help uh, the Sith, uh, the, the separatists, are, you know, and Count Dooku, you know, sort of saying we're cogs in a machine, you know, this is not, you know, we're not in control of this. Um, there's a really interesting episode I had you watch where there's a clone who deserts, who chooses to basically, um, you know, he marries, you know, he, he starts a family and is just kind of like, you know, this is the life for me. I don't want to be a soldier, even though they are born, you know, they are literally created to be soldiers. That so was cool to see because it was really like a, a first shot of them really expanding the universe, you know, like it was clearly like that they were it was you got to see different stories uh, separate totally separate from the main narrative of this war and just for my clarity the clones do become stormtroopers right they are when they turn evil they so then in the force awakens is finn a clone then is that what we're led to believe it's a good question so the clones were the original stormtrooper army so what you they basically um order 66 refers to um um, basically a protocol where the clones were created with something that um, they could be mind controlled more or less. Yeah. And so the clones at a certain moment, this order was given out and it led them to turn on the Jedi who to that point, not only were they on the same side with, but the Jedi were their, they were basically their generals. So it's the soldiers turning on their generals who were also their friends. Um, and the way that plays out in the show, because it builds, you know, these characters, it's it's moving. Um, but anyway, so the original Stormtroopers were clones. But by the time like we meet Finn, they have been they've been recruiting people or they've been sort of taking people off their homeworlds to become Stormtroopers. So gotcha. Stormtroopers are not they're not cloned um, by that point, which is part of why. Like when people will, some jokes in the Star Wars canon are that stormtroopers are a terrible shot. They miss everything. Yeah. And they, they kind of joke about that in the shows because the they're not clones. So they don't have the same training. As a, as like a light viewer, I've often found it a little hard sometimes to keep track of all the places they're referencing. Like they talk so much, whether it's on the Mandalorian or in the, the actual movies, they're talking about all these different planets and they reference it in a way that I almost feel like if I were a diehard fan, that would mean something to me and I'd feel really excited. And it goes over my head and I kind of feel it going over my head, but I'm still able to enjoy the spectacle of it. I noticed more and more in Mandal and The Mandalorian where he's traveling to these different planets. And it's kind of cool how that show is able to show you how these different planets really are the same style, the same aesthetic of Star Wars, but they're so different. Like one planet is entirely ice. One planet is an entirely desert. One planet is entirely water. And it's kind of cool to see that. I guess I'm curious if these animated series continue that trend and if they're able to expand the universe in that way and if that's part of the reason why it's so rewarding. I, I would say apps, that's 100% one of the things that's best about it, um, you know, and it's something that also actually helped me, you know, I watched the first season of The Mandalorian um, before I'd seen any of this content, and you were talking about the episodic nature of it, and I remember feeling frustrated as a viewer because, you know, I was really invested in the overall plot, and so as they're going on these little side quests, you know, it was like, okay, this is interesting, but I want to know what's going to happen. And I think the other, the animated series, because they also follow that same formula, uh, there's no little stops along the way. You know, it sort of was like, oh, okay, like this is just sort of works and it allows you to be, uh, you know, less 
frustrated or more patient. But apps, I you know, you're asking about if these animated shows also expand the universe, they keep the Star Wars aesthetic and put it in different situations. And that is 100% something they do that's so fun. Um, you know, there's a, a three episode arc where you are underwater in the Mon Calamari world. If you remember who Admiral Akbar is. Yeah, he's the one who says, it's a trap. Yeah, Admiral Akbar. So he's sort of like a squid-like creature. And so there's a three episode arc where you're in home world and everything is underwater. Um, there is an episode where you, um, you know, there's a fight scene where it's done in zero gravity. And so you'll see, you know, as droids get shot, instead of falling over, they just kind of break and float. Um, you know, in Rebels, you're taken to a brand new planet called Lethal, which winds up being a sort of like a new hub for, um, you know, for the rebellion. And so it does really take you to lots of different places in the universe. Do you ever get to see Mandalore? Because I know that they talk so much about it on The Mandalorian, but I don't think I really know anything about it other than this is the way. Oh, Harry, do you see Mandalore? <laughs> the, the Mandalorian episodes in Clone Wars and Rebels are among the coolest in the entire show. Is it because of the jetpacks and the flamethrowers? It is, but it's also because it's just a really, they do a great job. It's a fascinating culture. I think this is, in addition to, you know, the jetpacks, the armor, I mean, Boba Fett just looked so cool. But Mandalore is, when we see it in Clone Wars, they are they are neutral. So they are neither... Uh, for the Republic or for the Separatists. They're trying to stay out of it. And they are ruled by a woman named Duchess Satine, um, who, if for those of you who've seen the new season of uh, The Mandalorian, she is Bo-Katan's sister. Um, she is also Obi-Wan's love interest. You get a sense that the two of them, uh, you know, had a thing going for a while there. And she is someone who's a pacifist, who is trying to create a new version of Mandalore that is more civilized, and does not embrace their sort of martial past. And, you know, there are factions, that, you know, where they say, this is not how things are, or this isn't who we are, we're strong people, we're forceful people. Um, Darth Maul winds up, you know, becoming very central to the happenings on Mandalore. Um, you see Mandalore after the Empire has sort of, you know, come and wreaked havoc upon it. Um, the Darksaber, which if you'll remember from the first season of The Mandalorian shows up at the end. So you explore the mythology of that. Um, so, you know, just Mandalore is uh, explored in a handful of arcs on the show. Um, and uh, it's, it's just, a, it's, they're great. So I would say one, if you're someone who is a fan of The Mandalorian, you know, something you would get out of Clone Wars, as you were saying, is as the, as the Mandalorian draws on more of this animated universe, which I think is happening in part because Dave Filoni, who is one of the producers of the Mandalorian, was also um, very much involved as a, you know, creator, producer, I'm not sure if he was the head creator of the animated series. So, you know, they are starting to reference things that happen in these shows. Um, but also, you know, if you're interested in, if you think the Mandalorian is really cool and this people who, you know, this is the way and they have these cool, this cool armor and Beskar, um, you know, the animated series really dive into what's happening on the, on this home world. 
Um, and plus, Obi Wan has you know more or less a girlfriend, which I mean. Whoa! Come on, <laughs> so I guess one thing that I wanted to ask you about is the animation itself, because I I know that you mentioned there's really cool sequences like zero gravity fight scenes and stuff like that, which you obviously probably I mean you could do with CGI in the live action movies, but it would be harder. Uh, I guess. Can you tell me, like, when was this show first made? Do you even know? Because uh, you had me watch a few clips, and I could tell you that, like, the animation got better the further into the seasons that you had me watch clips. Like, season two, the animation did look like a live-action video game. Like, it looked—and it is stylized, so that's part of the attraction is it's, it's intending to look animated. It's not trying to look live-action. But it also, uh, it was hard to get to adjust to. But then by the season seven or um, of the of the Clone Wars, I had watched a clip or two, and it was really, really stunning artwork. Um, and then all of the Rebels scenes were really beautiful. So do you know much about like how the animation has improved and or like what are some of the cool things that they're able to do since it's animated? Yeah, it's a great question. So I know that Clone Wars was, I don't think it was originally a Disney property. Um, there, actually there's a guy, I think his name is Gendy Tarkovsky, who's a really cool animator. He did Samurai Jack. He does this show Primal on um, Adult Swim. He had a version of Clone Wars and then Disney bought it. They brought in someone new. Um, I actually think Clone Wars was originally an animated movie and then they fleshed it out into a series. So I believe Clone Wars was, uh, I think it started maybe around 2005, somewhere in there, in that range. Um, Rebels is maybe, I don't know, in the 2010s. Um, but the most recent season of Clone Wars, season seven, just came out this year. So that new animation you're talking about, that's, that's, that came out in the spring. Um, but the animation, I think that, you know, um, what's so great about animation is that you can do things that are just so much harder to do in live action. Um, and, you know, for budgetary reasons otherwise. So I think that some of the lightsaber battles, um, in particular, that last one you're referencing between Ahsoka um, and Darth Maul that happens in the newest episodes that were just released is really stunning. Um, there's a great battle between Ahsoka and Darth Vader, which is really cool, um, that happens in Rebels um, and carries a lot of emotional weight, let me tell you. Um, but there's some really great, you know, some really fun creatures. I think something I love about Star Wars, I love all the creatures. I, anytime you walk into like a cantina in a Star Wars movie and there's just weird puppets and things, I'm in. I love that. <laughs> and there's some real, there's a lot of that um, in, in these series. And, you know, so for example, there's a couple episode arc where there's this enormous, almost like Brontosaurus-like creature called a Zillow Beast that has you know some property that the empire or sorry not the empire the republic under order of palpatine is trying to weaponize um there are these really cool creatures called purgles which are basically space whales that can travel through hyperspace um there's a, a really amazing uh arc that gets into you know um one of the other great things about these shows which is the way that they delve into the the mystic side of Star mm. Wars, the Force, and you know what it what is the Force? Yeah, what is the from? Force? Because they never really explain it in the movies. Do they explain it in these shows? Well, 
I would say it's similarly vague uh, or it's spoken about in similar terms of, you know, the force, you know, is something that moves through all creatures. It's, you know, sort of the nature of things. Um, you know, there, there's never really a moment where you take some Padawan and they sit them down like, okay, class, take some notes. We're going to define <laughs> the force. They don't, they don't do that. But what they do that's really cool is they sort of explore the force. So there is a three episode arc in Clone Wars where, Ahsoka, who is Anakin's Padawan, Anakin and Obi-Wan, they wind up going through like a wormhole more or less. And they wind up on this planet called Mortis where there are these three sort of supernatural creatures who are different embodiments of the force. And, you know, so there's um, a cool exploration of the force there. There is, uh, and that, that stretch has some really great um, Anakin foreshadowing. Um, there in Rebels, there are a lot of really interesting force creatures, the Purgles that I mentioned. Um, Rebels spends a lot of time in Jedi temples, which people who have finished Mandalorian season two know Jedi temples are mentioned. Um, there is a creature named Bendu, who he initially seems like he's part of the landscape, like a sort of like a, you know, rock, rock type, like a rock <laughs> basically, but he's not a rock. Uh, and he describes himself as like a force neutral being. So he's very force sensitive, but he's not on either side. There are these on Lothal, there are these animals called loath wolves, which are force sensitive wolves. And they also, you know, can they can communicate with the Jedi. I feel like force neutral is such a cop out. It's like pick a side, man. You don't get to say you don't get to say, look, I'm aware of the situation. I see it all. I think there's good merits on both sides. Like, no, dude, there's a light side and a dark side. They literally call it the dark side. If you're on the dark side, you're on the wrong side. Well, here's what I'll say about that. I'll say that Bendu makes some good arguments and I would just recommend checking him out. <laughs> OK, all right. All right. I'll give it a listen. You give it a listen, you know, and they also they dive into parts of the force that are a little bit more almost like witchcraft. They take you to a planet called Dothamir, which is where Darth Maul is from. And there are these uh, creatures called the Night Sisters on Dothamir who are basically witches. And it's not exactly the force, but they're using more magic. And so, you know, I think it's a part, it's something that, you know, the shows, you know, I, I think that that part of Star Wars, for some people, it might be a little bit more niche. You know, maybe you're someone who you love the characters, you love the drama of, you know, Luke Skywalker fighting his father, or, you know, in the new movie trilogy, Rey trying to grapple with who she really is, or Finn trying to overcome being a part of the Empire to discover himself. Um, but something that, you know, because there are so many episodes in these series, they can both have arcs where you're doing character stuff, but then they can also take you to places where you're like, hey, are you, do you just love weird force shit? Then, yeah. you know, you're going to enjoy these few episodes. So it really... Um, it sounds like the show has similar um, emotional gravity. I think you mentioned that there was a fight scene with Darth Vader that really had an emotional punch to it. And it's interesting because when you think of cartoons or you think of animated shows, you don't genuinely, at least for me, I think, oh, yeah, kid show, just spectacle, like, let's just keep it. But it does sound like there is emotional weight here. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I would say much in the way, you know, another animated series that, uh, you know, I've, I've watched recently during our uh, lives of quarantine, you know, is Avatar The Last Airbender, um, which was another show that 
you know, when I was younger, it just seems like a kid's show, but that also has real emotional weight. Um, I'm watching a new show right now that I just found on Netflix called The Dragon Prince, which again is an animated show, but it also, you know, creates really good characters. So, you know, I think that, you know, look, it is a show that is rated TVY7. There are definitely moments where you go like, all right, like this is a little bit cheesy, but <laughs> to be fair, there are moments in the, that that's part of Star Wars. The yes. cheesiness is it's part of it. It's owned by Disney now. It's owned by Disney and the original movies have cheesy moments, you yeah. know, I mean, and so I think that there is, it is a show that's very well written. Um, and it does, you know, if you go along for the ride and you spend a lot of time with these characters, you know, then, you know, if you spend seven seasons with Rex, who is a clone general, um, and then see him when Order 66 happens and he needs to turn on the people who he's, you know, befriended and fought in wars with for years and years and years, um, you know, that moment packs a punch. Yeah, so it sounds like this show is designed for people who like Star Wars and like animation. If they like those two things, they will like this show. But in your opinion, like, how does it rank against other Star Wars uh, content? Uh, I would say your assessment is correct. And, and I'll be honest with you, I had moments during Clone Wars and Rebels where I thought that this was the greatest Star Wars content that I have seen. Um, beyond, you know, better than the movies, uh, you know, more enthralling. Um, and again, I do think part of that is because I, I love animation. Um, I always have. Um, I love graphic novels. Um, so for me, you know, and I love Star Wars. So for me, it pushes a lot of, you know, checks a lot of the boxes. So I'm I'm definitely interested. I think that you've sold me on it. You've talked about it. You've talked it up for a while, especially on this episode. But I guess I'm curious: is is it easy to get into? Because I looked at it. It's seven seasons. Each ep each season has about twelve episodes. So that's like six hours per season, plus four more seasons of Rebels. We're talking about sixty six hours of content. How do you approach it? How did you do it in a year? And what's what do you recommend for someone who wants to give it a shot and dive in? It's a great question. Um, what I, how did I do it in a year? Well, I would say that the pandemic helped. Um, <laughs> we've all, we're all looking for content. Um, but, you know, I would say this, that it's the sort of show, you know, you, you don't need to pay careful attention to every single episode. And I will say that there are, you know, it, it, there's actually slightly more content than, than you were saying, because the... Um, most of those um, Clone War seasons are actually 22 episodes, oh so it's even goodness. more. It's even more. It's even more. So what I would say, I mean, if you wanted, the, I think the way to have the most rewarding experience is to just start from the beginning. Um, what I'll say is there are definitely episodes that you'll just have in the background and maybe you won't really pay a ton of attention. Um, there's certain arcs that don't, you know, necessarily connect to others. Um, but doing, you know, doing the whole thing would sort of lead to some of those big payoff character moments hitting the hardest. Um, but, you know, something else you could do is I'm sure that you could Google, you know, like best clone, you know, top 10 Clone Wars episodes or, you know, Rebels episodes to watch for the Mandalorian. So I think that the way it's set up, um, you could certainly dive in and out if you if you kind of just want to taste. Um, I think that would work better for Clone Wars because it's characters you already know um, and the different arcs they go on. Rebels introduces a new set of characters. And I will say the first season of Rebels um, 
can be a little bit slow at times, but it really, cause they're sort of, they're introducing you to new people. So they have to lay the groundwork and that it improves from there. So I would say, I would encourage people not to be intimidated. Um, I would say it's something, it's, it's pretty low stakes um, until the moments where suddenly you're really enthralled. Um, so it's a great, if you're looking for a show to have on while you're full laundry, or you know, maybe you're like doing some home exercise, um, or you're cooking, you know, you could certainly do that. Um, and then there'll be, you know, there'll be episodes where you're really into it. You know, just just believe in the force, Harrison, you'll be fine. I believe in the force, Bradley. Thanks so much for being on the show. This was a really fun conversation. Do you have any other closing thoughts before I let you go? I would say, uh, yeah, if it's, you know, if it's not for you, it's not for you. But if you're someone who you are, you like animation, you like Star Wars, you just wrapped, you wrapped up Mando season two, and you're like, oh, like I want to learn more about Ahsoka, or I just want more Star Wars in my life because it's going to be a little while till the next show comes out. I mean, listen, no one should be hanging out with other people right now anyways. So watch animated Star Wars and have a good time. Perfect. We'll leave it there. Well, thanks again, Bradley. My pleasure, Harrison. May the force be with you. And also with you. Did I do that right? Do you say, and also with you? You got it. <laughs>